delight to be here with you tonight. Well, we are going to be studying Isaiah, and 27 centuries ago, Isaiah prophesied about King Jesus and about your eternal life. This book is going to reveal to you in ways that I expect you have never tasted before your future in the millennial kingdom. And here's a chart that you're, I'm certainly not going to explain tonight, but I do want you to see this. Uh, there in yellow is the millennial kingdom. It is actually going to be on the earth, a renewed earth, and you are going to live there for a thousand years. Now, this book is packed with prophecies about this redeemed earth, this beautiful place. Think about the most beautiful place you have ever experienced on this earth. Like the Garden of Eden. Well, God made this world. He can make another and he's going to make a beautiful, refreshing place for his beloved to live. And the faithful will be rewarded there and reign with him. Now, there are hundreds of examples, if you actually go and look for them, about the reality that there will be rewards for the faithful in the millennial kingdom. And what it reveals to us is that what we do now will actually determine what we are going to be doing there, what we love to do, what we enjoy, how God has wired us and made us. We will have opportunity to continue doing the things we love there. Now, the mysteries of our eternal future are actually scattered throughout the Bible in all of these different books, like little puzzle pieces. And uh, many of them in, are in Isaiah. Many of them are in Revelation. But he expects us to know his word, his love letter to you and to me. And he expects us to know it so well that we can take those puzzle pieces and put them together. And this study is going to be a great help in our doing so. Now, why do we want to study these prophecies in Isaiah? Well, I can assure you, I believe because it's happened to me, that they will kindle, kindle a fire under, under us and help us to reevaluate our priorities and help us to overcome the anxiety and the fear that Pastor Barry was particularly talking about um, this evening. Uh, it's a crazy time, isn't it? And... And, and many of us have experienced and struggle with this anxiety of what in the world is going on. We need our lives to be flooded with hope. And hope is a wonderful thing. Hope is life-giving. Hope comforts us. It sustains us. And what we're going to find in this study of Isaiah is that God really is in control even in the mess in which we often 
find ourselves. And the beautiful reality is that God will and is going to reward the faithful with a glorious future. And my fervent prayer is that as you work your way through Isaiah, that this hope will begin to, this, this peace will just begin to shine all over you. That it will flood your life. And I know that this is possible because of what happened to me. You see, I wrote this study during COVID. And at that time, I was finding myself dramatically impacted by a lot of negativity. Um, I think it was probably because of all the things going on in our nation, the political and social upheaval, and, and the disunity that I was seeing uh, among people. Uh, wouldn't you say that we've had a lot of bad news lately? A lot of bad news in a lost world. Now, uh, certainly, um, and you know, I let it be kind of a dark cloud over my head that, that impacted my, my emotional stability and my mood. My husband can attest to this. <laughs> You know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, we had a, a moral compass that helped us, and we were, we were not so divided. The disunity that, uh, that I sense today. Now, our, our nation was not perfect by any means. There were many struggles and many difficulties, especially if you were poor or you were from a minority. But at least we all agreed on what was right and what was wrong. We had what I would call a moral compass that guided all of us. And even my parents, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but my parents, although they were not believers, allowed the, the belief of what was right and what was wrong to guide them. And we had what we call a, a Judeo-Christian ethic. And it was pretty much adopted by all people. And we've lost that. Um, and I never thought that I would see uh, what I'm seeing today, Isaiah 5.20, what he wrote. And it actually tells us that what is going on in your study uh, the, is the same kind of chaos that is going on in our world today. Because in Isaiah 5.20, he wrote, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And as I began to see people leave their Judean Christian roots, I, I began to grieve. I grieved over the meanness that I see in social media as people are so hateful to one another. And the extremes in the news media on all sides, on all sides, 
which has caused such a divisiveness in, in politics and an undermining of absolute truth where anybody can just decide what is right for them. And in Romans, it talks about God leaving those who do that to a depraved mind. And I think we're seeing some of that uh, today. We're seeing many of the young deconstruct their faith, which certainly is affecting my family. And I expect that many of your families as well are being touched by this. And we have people abandoning the church. And by the way, uh, we are losing more women than any other demographic in the church. Uh, in 2000, uh, George Barna did a study where he showed that about 60% of most churches were female. But today, that gap has completely closed because of all the women of all ages that we are losing generally in the church. And what a joy it is to see all of you here tonight. I have to tell you, it absolutely uh, blesses my heart. But there are women who are walking away, women we love and we care for. Well, what happened? I began to... Um, I was watching the news, I was becoming, I couldn't watch the news without getting angry and depressed. And, um, and, and then I, God gave me the opportunity to write this study. And I have to tell you that I can watch the news today. And it doesn't bother me. And I have to keep up with things because I work with students who have to know what's going on in the world. And we need to know what is going on in the world. But I'm no longer overwhelmed. And I can, uh, I, it has affected my outlook, my mood, my emotional uh, stability. Well, what happened? I learned that I had misplaced loyalties and that I needed to learn to be loyal to my royal, who is King Jesus. And that is who I hope, um, that is how, well, that's my fervent prayer for you as you get into this study. And I want to talk about three ways that you can do that as you prepare to walk through this study of Isaiah. So the first one is this. Stop pinning your hopes on flawed human leaders, platforms, and promises. Stop pinning your hopes on flawed leaders, human leaders, and their platforms and their promises. They're just people, and they're going to disappoint. You know, I have... I grieve for them. I know it's been difficult to look at all that has gone on in the world in the last 20, 30 years. We've seen this global war on terror. Uh, we decided we were going to try to bring democracy to the Middle East. Yeah, how did that work out? Exiting Afghanistan, the mess that that was. And, and now we're again in a cold war with Russia, who has joined forces with China, and Iran, and this past week, we've even seen that North Korea has decided to join up with this group. And then we've seen Russia attack Ukraine. 
the horrendous things going on. I have students, a dear student of mine, um, several of them in Ukraine are dealing with this and their children uh, right now. It is messy. The world is messy. But you know, Isaiah lived in a world like that, and, and probably most people have and do. So it was here, I want us to take us into um, a particular passage. And uh, so if you have your Bibles, I think this will help you understand um, the dramatic change that this study was for me. If you have your Bibles or your phones, or I am going to show the text up on the screens, but Isaiah chapter 7, 1 through 17. And you're going to be tackling this section when you get to lesson two. And this, this uh, takes place in political times just as crazy as the times we are in today. And I provide a lot of details in the study guide for you. Um, and I think you're going to see why because uh, you need them. All right, so here's a little bit of what's going on at this time. So just like kind of what's going on here, there was, there was so much chaos in the nation that there was a civil war, and the nation split in two. And we have Israel here in the green. They kept the original name. And then we have Judah in the south, which was smaller, but God's hand was still on Judah because it was Judah, Jerusalem was there. And, and that was the place where the house of David was, where the Messiah would come from. And so um, we're seeing that there's, actually they're still fighting the nation is still fighting in, in lesson two when you get there. And actually later, both of these uh, went into captivity. Why? Because of their disloyalty to God Almighty. Israel went first. Judah followed. Now, what's going on for, with Isaiah. Well, Isaiah lived in Judah, the southern kingdom, and he prophesied under four different kings, which lets you know how much political chaos was going on in his lifetime. He had a wife who was an unnamed prophetess and two sons that you're going to have a lot of fun trying to pronounce their names. And, and we think he was from a wealthy family because he hobnobbed with the king and with lots of others. Uh, and he, God called him to a specific ministry. You're going to see that in lesson one. He was called to bring the people back to God. And God told him, by the way, you're not going to be successful at doing this. Isn't that great? Give your life work to something that you know is not going to be successful. But Isaiah was faithful regardless. And actually, what he wrote and what he did has blessed people for many, many centuries afterwards. But it was after he passed. Talk about rewards in the millennial kingdom for Isaiah and his perseverance. 
And you can actually see the seal of the prophet Isaiah in the Smithsonian Institute. And I just wanted to show you that. I want you to remember these are real people. These are things that actually did happen. And that is the seal that he used on particular documents. Well, let's go into this text, um, Isaiah 7, 1 through 17. And I want to start with the verse 1. And I'm going to try and explain it to you. And I think you're going to see why it's so easy to be confused when you see all these different terms. So it starts out, When Isaiah, son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, was king of Judah. King Rezin of Aram, that's Damascus, and Pekah, son of Ramaliah, king of Israel, marched against, marched to fight against Jerusalem. And they did that separately, each one coming against Jerusalem. See, all these little nations are trying to take over the other nations. And they came separately, and they could not overpower Judah. So what did they decide to do? They decided, those two little nations, to come together and make an alliance. And King Ahaz hears about it. The passage goes on. Now the house of David was told, Aram, that's king of Damascus, has allied himself with Ephraim, that's Israel. So the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken as the trees of the forest were shaken by the wind. Have you ever felt like your, your, your life is, you're like a tree shaken by the wind? And that's what they were feeling. And I, I can say our heart does go out to them. This was a, a, a very difficult time. But what does Ahaz do? Well, he decides that he's going to make an alliance with the bully of Assyria, this huge superpower, northern um, superpower. He's going to, and he sends an invitation to them and says, ally with me. And protect me. Now God looks at that and he goes, this is dumb. Why are you doing this? And you know, sometimes that's what we see, isn't it? We do dumb things out of fear. I love this uh, quote by Alfred Martin, though. He talks about, he says, King Ahaz asking Assyria for help was like a mouse sending for the cat to help him against two rats. That's what's going on here. But God had mercy on Ahaz, and he sent Isaiah. And, he, and Isaiah said to him, don't do this. Don't ally with Assyria. It's not going to work out well. Trust God. Stop pinning your hopes on flawed human leaders, platforms, and promises to protect you and the nation. Sound familiar? And then God told Isaiah to say to Ahaz in the midst of this uh, fearful, anxious time, he said, Ahaz, be careful. Keep calm. And don't be afraid. Don't lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood. 
Now, who's he talking about? Whose are these smoldering stubs of firewood? This is the king of Israel and the king of Damascus. They're just people. And they're flawed, just like all of us are. How foolish for us to put our faith in flawed people. Now, I was... um, Excuse me, I've got a little ant up here. Hello. <laughs> Go away. All right. So, so as I was um, hold on here. There we go. All right. So as I was writing lesson two, it hit me that I was like Ahaz. I was in this parallel situation. I reflected on the gradual and dangerous and subtle descent of my believing that flawed human leaders could fix the mess that I found myself and our people in. I could really relate to um, Ahaz when he said that, that, that his heart, the hearts and his heart and the hearts of people were shaken as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. And I, I, I was doing the same thing. And I realized this, especially during times of any election. And we're coming up on another one. So we got another big temptation right in front of us here. And it's not going to be easy. But I had become enamored with these candidates and their platform as if that, that who I liked won, somehow that was going to take care of all the problems. And I found myself, as I would see someone with a rival bumper sticker, I felt animosity toward that person. And I began to see that my fervor for all of that began to outweigh my fervor for Jesus. And I didn't even recognize it. And when I realized it, I was ashamed. What about you? Are you trusting in flawed human leaders instead of King Jesus? Are you pinning your hopes on flawed human leaders' platforms and promises? It is so easy to do. And if you are, I just have a few words for you. One of them is trade your shaking branches for steadfast roots. And how do we do that? Well, I'm going to show you. I'm going to encourage you to switch parties identify as a monarchist, and pin your hopes on the only one worthy. Switch parties. Identify as a monarchist and pin your hopes on the only one worth your trust. You know, it was very interesting that um, what we start to see when this happens to Ahaz is that God reveals, he begins to reveal prophecies. Uh, The first one I think you'll be fairly familiar with, and we'll look at another, but then there are many, many others that you're going to study in Isaiah that relate to the millennial kingdom and our futures together. But but Isaiah begins by revealing, he told Ahaz, he's telling us, Don't put your trust there. Therefore, he says, the Lord himself will give you Ahaz a sign. 
Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name is Emmanuel. And then Isaiah 9, 6, we see another prophecy, and, and, and 7 as well. And Isaiah tells us, uh, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. And watch this. And the government will be upon his shoulders. What government are we talking about? It's the government in the millennial kingdom. And I'm going to show you that from verse 7. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God everlasting father and prince of peace and then in verse 7 of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end that's how we know that this is an eternal future he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. Do you ever yearn for those things? A reckoning is coming. Justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. You're going to spend a thousand years in the millennial kingdom, and then that is going to mesh into the new heavens and the new earth. It's all in the scriptures. And it says that the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. Well, when I, when I woke up to this reality, I, I realized how misguided I had been, how foolish I had been to believe that times are worse now than ever before. You know, first century was far worse in so many. They were burning Christians in Rome uh, as, as, uh, as to, to, to light the way. People around the world today are dealing with horrendous situations. It's not worse now than it's ever been before. This is normal for life in a fallen world. And flawed people are never going to fix this world's messes. God's told us that. And it's foolish to stake our future on any flawed person, party, platform, or candidate. And I realize that the only one worthy of your loyalty and mine is King Jesus. And so today, I don't identify as a Democrat or a Republican or an Independent or a Libertarian. Now, it isn't wrong to do your social duty and to be involved in, in some of those kinds of activities as long as you don't place your ultimate trust there, as long as you aren't obsessed that this will actually be what will make the, the, make the big difference. It won't. Let's join together as believers because really there's only one party for all of us. We are monarchists waiting for our king to return. Let's live that way. 
Well, as well, I want to give you some things to think about to help you as you enter into this study to guard all of us against a disloyal heart. We need to prepare for the king and his kingdom now. And that's what this study is going to help us do. And so a couple of things that I think will be helpful for you. Don't go into this with a distorted view of heaven. Uh, you know, a lot of us have always learned that, that we, we think we're going to spend eternity up there in heaven. And the Greek and Hebrew for heaven is a place up there. It's, it's God's realm. It's up high. But the Bible doesn't, you know, we think we're going to be up there playing harps and, and singing nice songs and, and just floating around on clouds. And we're not going to be doing that. I mean, that would really be boring after a while anyway. That's a mistaken view of heaven. Heaven really is, is going to be, there is a time when we will be up there. But if biblical scholars are correct, it will be after the rapture, and it will only be for seven years. And it will be the time when we are there with Jesus celebrating, and there are wonderful events going on. There's going to be the Bema Seat of Rewards. You're going to have a whole lesson on that in the study. Uh, it's going to be the, the wedding celebration of the Lamb with the church. And during that time, the tribulation is going to be going on on the earth. And what we're doing in heaven for those seven years is we are waiting to come back with Jesus because he says he's going to return to establish his millennial kingdom on the earth and we're going to come back with him. That is good news. Also, a distorted view of the kingdom. I, would, I want you to, the, the, when, when I'm going to be using in the study the word kingdom, uh, I'm actually going to be referring to the millennial kingdom. Now, there are three different views or nuances, not views, but nuances of the word kingdom. They're all true. Uh, when Jesus came to earth the first time, he made the statement, the kingdom is among you. Why? Because the king was here. And he brought the essence of the kingdom, justice, peace, love, all of those things that he brought to earth for us to view. There's also another sense in which we are called to exhibit characteristics of the kingdom in our church communities right now. We are called to uh, exhibit justice and righteousness and love and peace within our communities, our church communities, our small groups, um, as we interact together so that the world can get a taste of the kingdom and want to join us. But really, most of the time, the kingdom is the millennial kingdom. And that is the place where we will live and reign and serve with Christ on this glorious renewed earth for those thousand years. 
And while, and, and as you go through Isaiah, you're going to see a number of prophecies that are actually going to describe to you what life is going to be like in the millennial kingdom. And while we wait in heaven for Christ's thousand-year reign on the earth, while we're there for those seven years, we're going to be singing and a song to Jesus. And we find it in Revelation 5, 9, and 10. It says, and they sang a new song. That's, that's us singing to Jesus, saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals. The book there and the seals are, are the different events that are going to happen on the earth during the tribulation. Why is he worthy? For you were slain and purchased, you purchased for God with your blood, men and women from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. And they will reign upon the earth. That is our future. Faithful believers will rule and reign under the first beautiful, absolutely perfect leadership. We will have never experienced it before, but we will experience it as we sit under the rule of our beloved king. And we will have opportunity to serve and to lead where he ordains in light of what we love to do. And what you do now will determine what you will be doing then for that thousand years and possibly even longer. It's an incentive, isn't it? To get really serious about our faith. After the millennial kingdom, it's, the Bible says the old earth will pass away. It will be cremated and be replaced by the new heavens and by the new earth. Now, why does God reveal these puzzle pieces to us throughout his love letter? Well, you're going to see every time when we see a puzzle piece, not every time, but Often, most of the time, you're going to see some kind of an encouraging word to inspire you, to encourage you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory, 1 Thessalonians 2.12. And when you're aware of this, you're going to start seeing these words kingdom and, and these kinds of, of mandates, messages, revelations throughout the Bible. It is a beautiful thing. You know, for me, this perspective changed everything. Yeah, I hadn't really, not really taken seriously that this body, life in this body today, is just a pre precursor to life in the future. And we are going to finally live in a, under a perfect government that's going to rest on the shoulder of our king. And we are finally going to experience justice and righteousness and shalom. So when you, look, when you start feeling down, 
I really encourage you to look up and look forward. This isn't all there is. Persevere whatever circumstances you are in the midst of today. Because King Jesus has a glorious future for you. And it, 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 it will be grander if you actually overcome and are faithful through these challenges. So love him, follow him. He will enable you. He will give you strength. But I found it's really helpful to know what's ahead. I hope it shifts your perspective like it did mine, give you the long view. I hope that it does for you, which was to dramatically challenge and change your loyalties. And I want to encourage you that make this study top priority. Whatever you need to do, reschedule that appointment, get a substitute, Rework your schedule. There is nothing I have found more life-giving than becoming biblically literate about the future that God has in store for you and for me. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you have not left us here without the truth of your amazing love for us as your daughters, as a people. And all of those beautiful truths are scattered throughout your word. And I pray for my sisters my friends, that as they uncover these truths, that they will be so inspired and so encouraged that their moods will shift if they've allowed these things to uh, weigh them down and that they will become emotionally stable as they seek you. You can do that in every one of us. Please, Father, have mercy upon us and help us. We love you. We ask these things in the name of your Son and by your Spirit. Amen.